and welcome to the final episode of the 2019 season on the Turn Up For What podcast. The Texans were once again dreaming of what could have been as we watched the Chiefs hoist the Lombardi in Miami this past Sunday. The Texans now, it's all at O'Brien's court to find a way to get this team to win. How he wanted it, he's got it. Now it's time to deliver. Joining us this week on the Turn Up For What podcast is Landry Locker from Sports Radio 610 and the show In The Loop from 12 to 2 on weekdays. Landry, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. It's always good to uh, talk to our uh, worldwide Texans uh, Texans fans very much, man. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's grown, the, the fan base, in the time I've watched this team move. Uh, y'all got you... some competition with the Titans too, my man. I, we, we talked to some uh, some Titans, so y'all got, y'all got some... Uh, I got some uh, global wars going on when it comes to the AFC South. Yeah, that's it. And I think of the I was amazed by the turnout in London this year uh, from people all over Europe and uh, Germany and France and all over UK. So no, it was it was cool to see. So it's definitely growing, but uh, probably not always to do with the football, which we'll we'll come on to. But obviously, it was the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday there. And uh, what did you make of it all? Well, I mean, I, I, it's kind of a scary situation, I think, for the rest of the NFL and, and, and for the AFC now that uh, Pat Mahomes has, has won one because, you know, I think once you get that monkey off your back, uh, I think a lot of times it just becomes easier for you, you know, when it matters the most in late December and early January. And I think when you look at a guy who at the age of 24 has won a league MVP and a Super Bowl MVP uh, and he already has you know, three come from behind double digit come from behind wins in the playoffs uh, in his early career with Tom Brady only having six in his whole career. I I think it's a very scary situation for, you know, the Texans and for every team chasing them. So I don't know, you know, I I don't know how many Super Bowls Pat Mahomes is going to win, but I think that Kansas city and Pat Mahomes is the new hurdle for the Texans and the rest of the NFL. I think the torch has kind of been passed from new England to Kansas city and uh, I, I think it's I think it's a big hurdle to overcome. And uh, now that he got the monkey off his back, I think it could be a very, very scary, scary thing for the rest of the league. Yeah, it, it, it's funny how it's all come together, really. It kind of reminds me of a bit when Rodgers won his first Super Bowl and he thought, right, you know, this team has got a, a big window here to go and win multiple. Now, he's only won one. Same with uh, Drew Brees as well. You know, both, you would say, for their careers and for their talent, they've underachieved. So it it seems like certainly the world's at their feet in terms of the Chiefs. But I was there in week six this year uh, when, when the Texans beat them and... You know, the, at that point, the book was out on how to beat you. you. You know, you ran the ball hard. They couldn't really stop you and you kept them off the field. Now, it's always been easier said than done. And uh, we'll come on to the playoff loss, which was, I think, was tough to watch as the Chiefs went on uh, through the tournament. But I, it, it was, it's funny how it all changes because certainly for probably 60, 70% of the season, at least, it seemed that the Baltimore Ravens were going to be the, AFC, the class of the AFC uh, and then the Chiefs' defense finally sort of comes together with the big pieces they brought in. And uh, Chris Jones had a great game. Honey Badger, a solid season down the stretch after I was reasonably okay with letting him go for the, the 14.5 million APY that he picked up. So, yeah, they just seemed to all get together at the right time. And I thought what was ironic the most out of it, it was actually that was probably one of Mahomes' worst games of the season, but he just managed to piece three great drives together when it needed, when they needed it the most. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. I mean, it, you know, he it, that last there was, you know, seven minutes and change left and, you know, they just turned it up and then, you know, they never really looked back. You know, you mentioned the Rodgers comparison. The only thing about the Rodgers comparison that I would say is a little bit different is that he was four years older uh, than Mahomes at the time. And they, you know, they actually had somewhat of an improbable run because I want to say they had close to 20 guys on injured reserve. The Chiefs were never really underdogs or anything. I mean, they were favored in every game they played in the playoffs. Uh, so they had that. But I, it's just it's just, you know, the way that the Chiefs won that game. I think you can also look at the scheme, too, you know, in that I think Mahomes is in the right situation uh, because, you know, you mentioned the three and a half quarters being outplayed. Well, they decided to go up tempo, which is something a lot of people around here, a lot of people on my station have been begging for the Texans to do, you know, more consistently. But, you know, at seven and a half minutes left, uh, Andy Reid and the Chiefs decide to go up tempo. Mahomes nails Tyree kill on that third and 15. Uh, they come back in up tempo and then they kind of slow it down when they are uh, going for the go ahead touchdown after Watkins gets inside the 10. Uh, but just as far as, you know, just finding getting hot at the right time, a lot of times it matters, but I just don't think we can minimize, you know, getting the monkey off of his back this early. I mean, Peyton Manning didn't get it off his back till he was 30. And when you saw him play late in the season, you could kind of just see that there was something, there was like a dark cloud over him and there was just something going on. Mahomes doesn't have that, but it, it is a year to year league. You are right. There was a blueprint early on, but man, what a, what a, what a way to end the season. And, and, and to me, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, scared of the chiefs. Maybe, maybe I'm a little bit too scared, but it just, it just doesn't seem like something that's just going to be one of those one and done, you know, go away type of things. Yeah, I think, I mean, the offseason uh, writes a new story for each team in each year and, it, you know, it is a year-to-year -year league and, you know, there's talk of Sammy Watkins might not be back and, and there might be some, you know, further changes for them and they've got a, got some big pieces and dis decisions to make on defence, uh, particularly with Chris Jones. He's after the, batting those two balls down, he's going to command a big-time salary and uh, the players that can rush from the interior come with a with a heavy cost for your salary cap um so yeah no it could all change and you, and you just don't know how long how much longer um Andy Reid will be there as well you know does 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 he just wait and hand hand the torch to Eric Bieniemy and it's just a continuation don't know but a lot to be decided there but uh but certainly I think from uh from from how the season uh, evolved and how they you know came hot at the right time which is the key um you know they're definitely the class of the AFC now this whole Texans offseason now is going to be geared up to how do you, how do we get better at, at coverage of tight ends because the, the the commonality between both the Super Bowl teams and both the uh, and uh, and and the Ravens as well was 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 being able to stop the tight end so there's you know the, there's a bar set now for this organization to go and to look forward and obviously after the the the, the amount of times it was repeated I think on Sunday which was tough as if from a Texans point of view of coughing up that 24 point lead it was. It, I think I'm pretty certain it was. It was. It was said when they handed them the trophy, and uh, it was a sore one. Uh, and how, how? How's? Uh, what's the feeling in Houston like after after a couple of weeks on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit. You know, I don't want to describe it as hopeless, but I think there's a lot of people. You know, in the city, just kind of confused as to, you know, why not name a GM? Why not make any changes on the offensive staff? Uh, and all that type of stuff. So I, I don't want to call it helpless because I think people do believe in Deshaun Watson, but I think there's a lot of confusion here as to, you know, why exactly, although, although they did say it's been going on for eight months, but why Bill O'Brien uh, has, you know, as much power uh, and the only guy with the official title of GM, that is the, uh, that's the feeling. But as far as the tight ends go, man, I think, 
you know, obviously Travis Kelsey had his way with Lonnie Johnson in the in the uh, Kansas City game, but you know, I, you obviously missed you know a die in uh, to Sean Gibson. You know, to Sean Gibson, that's something that he really prides himself on. So I think that was just a matchup problem there. I, I think if Deshaun Gibson is healthy, uh, you, you have a guy who can go toe to toe with tight ends. But I just think it was kind of a perfect storm in that situation, in that. You were shorthanded at safety, and Travis Kelsey's one of the best. So he just ended up taking advantage of the rookie in that situation. Yeah, it's, I mean, I felt I felt sorry for Lonnie, and I think definitely as, as the AFC as a whole is going to have to have to have to kind of work a way to to try and stop that kind of attack because it was it was uh, it was you know repetitive in some cases, and I think the the bit that was probably tough for all the Texans fans, right, would have been the the fact that watching the the divisional, well, after going out in the divisional, right, watching that AFC Championship game, and for both teams there that you've already beaten the regular season uh, to be there is tough. So I think when you when you when you said the point of confusion for the fan base, I think that's probably rightly so because you know what what do they need to do to get better to, to be able to compete at that level? And I think that's the that that is that is the big question. And, and you talked about there O'Brien's sort of chain, or, or they've basically given him the role of GM or the the officially classified as Jim as we all know we've been pulling the strings since Brian Game went back last summer um, but I think for, for me in a vacuum I, there's many coaches I think both the coaches in the Super Bowl have got a huge hand in, in personnel but what, what I don't get in uh, without if you take a, a more sort of closer look at that is O'Brien the question is can he not be in a position where he, he can hand out and delegate to let these coaches coach because he said that in the past, but from all the reports last season, he was coming into the process late during the, during the off season, during the, the game plan preparation and, and making changes, you know, after walkthroughs. And it feels like a guy that just can't let go uh, and, and let and let his coaches delegate when he's got all these additional GM responsibilities. And that was potentially a, a concern or a reason why the team was so inconsistent last year. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, there were some rumblings here that Romeo Cornell would actually prefer to coach in the booth, but for whatever reason, he was on the sidelines. So, you know, you, you get rid of Romeo, and I actually think Romeo, I actually think Romeo, I think he's an unfair target this year. I'm not saying it's not time to move on, but, I mean, good Lord. Like, look, look at the defense. Look at the pieces that he was working with. I mean, he didn't have J.J. for half the season. You let Clowney go. Uh you know, you let Kareem Jackson go. Uh, Honey Badger, I don't think he's the same player with the Texans for the Chiefs. So I'm with you and you can let that go. Uh, you know, you basically have corners that you pick up two corners during the season that the, their previous teams didn't even want them. You were the only one that put in a claim on Hargraves. I mean, I don't know what exactly was expected from Romeo Cornell this year. I mean, it just seemed like a rough situation. And to take it a step further, you know, you're talking about you know, the GM letting coaches coach. Well, look at the offense. I mean, look at the offense this year. To me, the biggest problem was the offense. And it's not because of it. Just hear me out on this. But in regards to coaching and maximizing what you have, because of what I just said, I think it's unrealistic to expect too much from this defense. Like if you're expecting this defense to to to, to be a strength on your team, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. But offensively, if you look at what the assets that were invested on the offense. You traded two first and a second for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. You used a first round pick on Titus Howard. You used a second round pick on Sharpie. You have Deshaun Watson. You traded for Duke Johnson. You traded for Carlos Hyde. You invested all of your resources in offense. And in the NFL, you're going to have flaws, but your strength should be able to overcome your flaws. And when you, t when, when I tell you that they did all of that, 
They still allowed the eighth most sacks in the league. They averaged exactly the same amount of total yards per game. They averaged exactly the same amount of passing yards per game. They averaged one less rushing yard, one and a half less point, and they had the time of possession was within 10 seconds from this season to last. And oh, by the way, they actually played better defenses in 2018 than they did in 2019 by a long shot. The schedule was tougher, but they played tougher defenses and there weren't significant improvements on offense. What exactly does that tell you? And oh, by the way, if you look at the moves that have been made in the offseason, they've basically stripped the defensive staff and the offensive staff has stayed intact. Tell me how that makes sense. Like if, if I if I told you right now, like even even with how bad Romeo Cornell made questionable decisions all last year, I'm not going to dispute that. But what if I told you that before the offseason, Romeo Cornell, you traded two firsts and a second for two key pieces on defense. You used a first round pick and a second round pick to improve that defense. And you didn't get rid of the best player like you did or one of the best players like you did Clowney. And there was full health. So J.J. Watt didn't get hurt. Do you really think the defense would have been a problem? I say hell no. And, and that's why that's that that that's part of that's part of a GM's responsibility. That's part of a GM's responsibility is to, you know, hire the right guys to coach the staff. And Bill O'Brien, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to. I know they were better on third down, but. I'm sorry, like you've never called a top 10 offense. And if you saw all that they invested in offense last year, there should have been more improvement. I mean, I, that, that, that's just that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and I get I'm fine moving on from Romeo, but they need an offensive coordinator, too. And it doesn't need to be Tim Kelly. It doesn't need to be a guy who's followed Bill, Bill O'Brien around for eight years. I, th I think when we talk about accountability, we talk about what's best for the team. Just look at what you invested on the offense. Look at the lack of improvement. And that that's that's frustrating to me. That that's that's extremely frustrating to me. No, I think you're right. I think you nailed it there. I mean, the, yeah, the amount of resources that were plied plied into this team. Uh, yeah, you had it had to be the strength of the team at all times, and inconsistency was 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 so apparent. I think with with you know, and I think it's easily the biggest job O'Brien has with his GM hat on is to not let Anthony Weaver leave him hung out to dry on his first season as a as a defensive coordinator and, and what I, th I mean and, and again in a vacuum you know you give a young guy uh, a promotion within the building and you know you, you grow your own wood but I, I just for me I just don't see the the benefit of not going out of the organization and bringing an experienced head and O'Brien doesn't seem to have done that much now he did that with John Pagano now Pagano's gone uh, and I, I, for for me, O'Brien now is in a position where he is out of excuses. There is nowhere he can go now after this season. And I've probably been an O'Brien apologist, uh, you know, more than most. Um, and, you know, and you think, you know, does he deserve time? But when you, when you frame it like that, Landry, you're, you know, you're, you're spot on. And I think what, what needs to happen this season. And uh, the only reason why I would give him another, yeah, I mean, look, he's got another year anyway. We released that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want him fired. I want to make that. I, I don't want him fired, but I just think when we start talking about accountability and we start talking about evaluation, I just think that I don't know how much I was supposed to expect from Romeo compared to what I expect from Bill O'Brien. Like, I think you should lay out realistic expectations. And when we talk about accountability, I just don't see how he looks at that offense and says, Okay, we don't need any changes here, but we need to make all these changes over here. To me, I just, I, I just think, I, I just don't think that that's. I'm, 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 I'm talking about the general manager. That that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 
No, you're right. And if there's an, an impartial other, you know, viewpoint in the room that, you know, you, you assumed that Nick Casario was going to come in and bring that. Now he's not. I think not only does does that further the, the, the sort of confusion within the fan base, but I think also when it puts O'Brien in a corner this season, and the other reason why I think he should be this season, as you think of it, is his third full year with Watson. Um, so after this year, and if it doesn't become good, I think he's completely uh, out of out of excuses and places to turn to because we wrote an article on our on our website at podcasttexans.com the other week. They're releasing uh, of you know the very much the viewpoint of O'Brien. Whatever he sells to Cal McNair in these meetings, Cal's buying it, uh, and it certainly can't be on the field. And he continues to make changes, so therefore there must be you know fault pointed out at other other areas of, of the organisation in the front office and he continues to change it off-season after off-season but what is consistent is a team that's on the field doesn't look like it's got the materials to to uh, to to be an upper-tier team and is limited and I think he's limited by O'Brien so, you know, this off-season I expect him to be aggressive but I can't see without bringing in some, you know, experienced offensive and defensive coordinators to try and help him and that's that's the key to help him I think it's going to be difficult. Right. I agree with you 100 percent on that. Seriously, it, 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 it kind of it just it, it's, it's a little bit frustrating to me. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's it's a situation we're in. And I mean, I think all the hope for the Texans, I think it's I think it's in the quarterback, man. We've been starving for a quarterback for a long time. So you just got to hope that, you know, Deshaun finds that groove. And, you know, hopefully the coaching staff puts him in position to to find that groove, to take that next step that, you know, you've seen Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes the last two years win MVP, you know, it would just, it would just be nice for Deshaun to join that party uh, and take that next step. Yeah. And I think there's, there's no question Deshaun's got another gear and he's playing another level of consistency to find. I think the big difference, not so, I don't think uh, Lamar Jackson, but I think what Pat Mahomes has shown over Watson is a mental processing at the line of scrimmage and a decision-making ability. And when he does run, you know, when, when he does escape the pocket, his eyes are downfield and he, he just seems to be that on that of that side of the game more more developed than Watson to this point. Not every game, but when the bad comes, the, the bad's pretty bad. And we saw that in the game against Carolina. We saw that in the game against Denver. Two big, you know, black marks on the schedule from last year that just that failed this, this team's record um, and two seasons in a row when they were in a position to get an automatic seed in the AFC they failed to do so and I, I think that you know there's the, and there's an easily a point you could make Landry I don't know what you think of this of that ultimately it's almost it's almost at times it feels like Deshaun's being held back because of of the scheme of the of the uh, you know Cecil Shorts was, was was quoted saying before on, on on the radio that it was you know O'Brien puts up videos of of uh, of his Patriot days and of great players and uh, Randy Moss says, look, this works, you know, and I think I think he's so hard-headed and, and, and stuck in his ways at times and you can see that how he makes moves in the front office and the, the back office that, it, that it's, it feels like that, you know, he's potentially holding this team back but as we said, you know, there's no hiding place now. This is a, this 2020 season is, I don't think under any conceivable notion could Cal McNair not make a change if it's a disappointing season. And I would, I would class a disappointing season anything less than what we got this year. A hundred percent. I mean, you're, you're 100 percent uh, correct on that. I mean, that's, that's really, that's really just, there's the, the excuses are gone. The accountability's there. You know, it's been going this way for eight months. You can no longer say, you know, we made this decision as a group. I think uh, that was eliminated when they when they gave him the official title. So, you know, it's uh, 
it's, 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 you know, it's it, all hands on deck. Let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, the, it, the, things have changed to where you can't really, you can't really just, you know, be broad about what happened. We know, we know who's calling the shots. We know who has the final voice. Yeah, that's it. And I think and another change that was probably the most uh, alarming, I think, from, from an outside perspective was the departure of Chris Olsen. Being with the Texans 13 years, only in his third year of his five-year extension, which it was extended at the same time as O'Brien came, uh, got, got his extension with, with uh, Brian Gain. Uh, and with the amount of you know cap dollars, 56 million cap spaces we sit, but when you've got Watson to deal, probably somewhere between 38 to 40 million, you've got Tunsil's deal in the region at 18, Cunningham probably in the region of 12, I don't, I don't think this cap amount of dollars that is going to be able to mitigate the lack of draft picks that potentially we thought it might do 12 months ago. Uh, exactly, and I, I'm not, I'm not as high on the Tunsil trade as a, you know, as as you know, they've 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 tried to sell, you know, how good that trade was. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, first of all, you didn't negotiate with the guy before you traded for him, so he basically has your balls to the fire. Uh, second of all, you traded two first and a second. Uh, so, I mean, in in a five year, you know, in five years. I think it's too early to judge that trade, but you know, it seems like a rich trade, especially when you hear the reports that Laramie Tunsil saw the package and said, man, I would trade me for that. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's really just, it's just now or never. And, and we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about where this, where this thing's going, how the money's going to be spent. Cause that you really don't, you know, people will, say Texans have this much cap space, but as you mentioned, you got to pay Watson, you got to pay Tunsil. So, you know, it's, it's really not as much cap space as it, as it appears right now. So hopefully you can fix the defense. Hopefully you can make some moves there and, uh, you know, uh, improve the side of the ball that, uh, could, could use, deserve some attention, uh, I should say. Yeah. I think if you're Jimmy Sexton going into whoever and whoever's going to be negotiating these contracts, because we don't know there is, there is the number two, um, Kevin Karorovich, I think, is pronounced um, that, that sat in behind um, Chris Olsen. Potentially, he's negotiating these deals. But if you're Jimmy Sexton going in to negotiate this deal, you've got an unbelievable amount of leverage, uh, which will ultimately, you know, I think, result in the Texans overpaying. And when you've got David Magaletta going in there to, to negotiate with, with whoever, again, to, who has shown a track record of resetting the market, uh, for particularly for some of the safeties, um, uh, Landon Collins, Kevin Byard, that he also represents. I don't. I can't really see the Texans getting out of particularly good deals, considering they've, they've just knocked off their cap guy. Now I don't know where that came from, um, but if you look in a, again, if you look at just a, sing, a singular point of the, the last transactions that Chris Olson's been in, it would seem it was an odd priori prioritization of targets. I think the merciless extension was questionable at the time, although he played better in the season. Uh, Nick Martin's question questionable again to extend him at 11 million APY and then Brian Anger who wasn't even on the team at the start of the season gets a three-year deal I don't know if that was a part of it Landry but what do you think was behind Olsen's departure and how much do you think this impacts the Texas negotiation ability in these big deals I have no idea honestly I, I don't know when when Chris Olsen when, when Chris Olsen was fired uh, my co-host John Lopez actually said you know that was the one guy that was elite uh in the 
that was the one guy that was elite in the building. So I, I, I don't know what happened with Olsen. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the mix up was there, but I, I think you just nailed it with the Whitney merciless deal. I mean, you look at Kansas city, like let's look at Kansas city. Like we, I sit here and I, I, I slobbered all over Patrick Mahomes and, and rightfully so. But why did the Kansas city chiefs win the super bowl this year? Well, they were dead last in yards allowed last year. And I believe they were top four in most points allowed. So they, they, they had a terrible defense, right? They had D Ford on their defense who had 13 sacks. They got rid of him. They let him go. Justin Houston, they let him go. Eric Berry, they let him go. They overhauled their defense and they made changes. They brought in some alphas. They brought in, you know, a new defense coordinator. They brought in a new scheme. The Texans right now, they gave Whitney Merciless that contract. And I don't understand exactly why Whitney Merciless is now one of the top 10 highest paid players at his position. I'll, I'll preface it by saying I love Whitney Merciless. I think he's great in the community. I think he's everything you want in a football player. But I just don't see how Whitney Merciless earned an extension that made him one of the 10 highest paid players at his position. I, I, I don't know this. I can't say this with certainty. But I'm pretty sure that if Whitney Merciless hits the market in free agency, he is not getting that deal. I don't think he's getting close to that deal. I don't even think that I don't even think that's a possibility. And furthermore, I guess if you objectively wanted to look at Whitney Merciless and justify giving him that deal, let's just play the other side of things. Let's just say that Bill O'Brien and whoever are discussing it, I guess on one hand they could say, well, he started out well, but then he kind of fell off. Uh, with J- when J.J. Watt got hurt. So, you know, that's why the production was a little bit inconsistent. Okay, that's fine. But J.J. Watt's had three out of four season-ending injuries. I know he came back technically this year, but in three out of the four last seasons, J.J. Watt has been hurt. So shouldn't you actually evaluate somebody that you're going to give that type of money to, that you're going to make a cornerstone of your defense more so? Shouldn't that hold more stock than when J.J.'s on the field? I I, I like Whitney Merciless. I, I, I get it, but... Those just don't seem like decisions that winning franchises mean, uh, winning franchises make. Like sometimes you got to make tough decisions. You got to let players you like go, or you got to play a little bit of hardball. And to see Whitney Merciless get that deal, it was just kind of strange to me because, you know, you, you saw the Patriots. They let Trey Flowers walk. Trey Flowers walks, and their defense is, you know, their, their defense doesn't really miss a beat statistically. It, it just that that just seemed like a, a strange move to me, and, and, and it made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. And and, and I agree with you one hundred percent. I just don't know what the thought process was there, in giving Whitney that deal. Yeah, and I think you could apply the same on Anger and Martin as well. Of you know, and and I think that's going to be a, a clear rule of thumb of if these guys hit the market. Do they attain the same level of pay that we're about to give them? The answer is no, you're overpaying. And, you know, when, okay, the, I think the cap will reach 200 million this year. It just seems from that from that standpoint, a mistake. So I don't know if that played a part in it. Um, it was interesting uh, that, you know, the fact that it got announced while we were still playing games, which was a change for the Texans. They always notoriously had a policy that they would not renegotiate contracts in mid-season, uh, but, yet, but yet they've done that. I, I think that was a, a positive in the building from some of the reports heard, but um, it's certainly something that potentially could have could have contributed. Now, you've got two free agents in-house about the ones we haven't talked about. I would think from 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 what uh, is or the rumours going on, and particularly some of uh, the, the defensive tackle, uh, DJ Reader's uh, late-season interviews, it would suggest he will reluctantly test the market. And also, does Bradley Roby walk as well and leave two big holes at key positions on a unit which already needs help? 
Well, you got to think the Whitney deal impacts that, right? I mean, like if 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 you're going to pay Whitney there, I mean, you got to think that somewhat impacts the the Roby and the and the DJ Reader deal. I, I saw that the franchise tag is projected for fifteen and a half million for a nose tackle, and and I like DJ, but damn, I mean, fifteen and a half mil for 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 a nose tackle. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I I, I like him, but. He just seems like one of those guys that could maybe go get more money elsewhere. Uh, as far as Roby, I'd like to bring him back, but I don't know if they're going to do that. And then we're going to be looking at cornerback and wondering, you know, what's next. So I would like to bring back Roby. Uh, I, I don't know if you can bring back Roby and DJ. Furthermore, if with 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 the way the defense played last year, is it really that important to bring back, you know, the, the every core piece of that defense? But you know, I, I got to think that you know we just talked about the Whitney deal. I got to think it's going to be connected to those two decisions. Yeah, and I think the the trouble with the Bradley Roby deal, and I think what might uh, be stopping them come to some sort of agreement would be, I think the corner market's due to reset this offseason. You got Byron Jones, you got Chris Harris Jr. hitting the market, which are going to push the you know the upper tier of prices up. Uh, and why Roby, you know, took took a one year prove it ten million with us this year, I think he's potentially holding out for top quarter money. Now, his health on the field hasn't proven that he can he can attain that level of of, of payment. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. I, mean, I think DJ Reader, uh, you'd hate to see a guy like that go a late round draft pick, develops in a, you know, a really you know, top five player at his position to let that walk out of the building. Uh, seems seems uh, you know seems counter counterproductive to try and build a team that's ready to win a championship. But the um, I think the Texans will probably will have, will have regretted not offering um, Reader more money because you could have stomached given that twenty nine million guaranteed, like you said, to merciless to an ascending player who's still got at least you know four to five years at his at the top of his game. Whereas with, with Whitney, you've probably got two to three. Uh, I don't know if his previous contract and he gro grossly overplayed his last deal and it seemed like a, a, a stroke of genius in many ways from Rick Smith when when, he, when they got that contract uh, done for Merciless because he, he really upped his game after that so you just never know how, how players can, can swing from season to season but the, the amount that DJ Reader improved I can't see a, a team not pouring up for him and you know it was even in Doug Marone's comments after the London game he said you know DJ Reader is one of the most disruptive and hard to play against players that we'll play against all season. So other, if other coaches are talking about him in that in those realms, then I think he's gone. Sadly, I think there's you know there's a, a couple of other decisions to be made as well. Um, you know, looking at potential cap cuts on the defense, I don't know if Deshaun Gibson comes into that or uh, maybe Angelo Blackson. I don't think neither of them played up to their to their cap dollars last year. What do you think? Uh, I think I, I think they're going to bring back Gibson as the starting safety. I would think, uh, and I think I think they like Blackson. I think they like what he does in uh, special teams and stuff. So I think I think they're going to hope that Blackson's going to be one of those guys that can maybe take that next step next year. Uh, they they obviously gave him the the early extension next year. So I think I think he'll be back. Yeah, and I, th I think for the defense, it probably comes on the back end. And anyway, if we take that first, I think it comes down to probably a choice of do you pay Roby or if not, you let Lonnie Johnson play up to his draft slate and I think you maybe invest in, in a safety. Because I think the big difference from from the year prior to 2018 to this year just gone was the, the drop in safety play. Um, you know, and despite, I don't think Tyron Matthew finished the season well, but he started it well, lost Kareem Jackson as well at that position. Uh, unfortunately, Justin Reed was probably in, well. He was injured all season. He got away with a torn labrum. However, he wasn't on the injured uh, report each week. I don't know how the Texans got away with that one, but he's had to have surgery again off season. Obviously, he was in a car crash prior to the season. Um, so you know, you probably got a couple of questions about health there. So if the Texans are going to make a big splash, I don't know if somebody like Justin Simmons or Harris from the Vikings hits the market, but potentially there's a you know, a, it's, and it's it's 
normally not something you would say would be to invest in safeties as a you know as a as a way of building your cap but definitely there'll need to be some investment in that back end i think without doubt i think the big the biggest issue is the front seven and even when uh, what was in the team the pass rush wasn't you know where it needed to be and obviously that was a self-made problem by the texans by letting Clowney go but what do you see the, i mean it's going to have to be outside the building but where do you you know whether it's yannick and gokwe bud dupree where do you see uh, some answers potentially hitting the market uh, I, edge to try and you know boost this front seven Landry. i have no idea i mean it's it's one of those things where you know you're gonna have to have premium picks usually to do that uh i i don't know if jacob martin can be you know an every down guy i, I think it's going to be hard to fix that front seven i mean it's, it's going to be really hard and, and you've already shown that you're satisfied with with what whitney brings and stuff so i, I guess this is going to be you know, this is going to be where where you kind of evaluate a general manager uh, because you do have those bills coming up, and you do have you know uh, misleading you know salary cap room. Uh, so I, I really don't know if you're going to be able to fix that front seven. I could see this as a situation similar to when, and, and obviously it's different reasoning, but it's like when you when you let AJ Boye go, it seems like you've been looking for a for a quality corner since you made that decision, since you let Dwayne Brown go, you were looking to uh, for a left tackle before you made the Tunsil trade for a couple of years. And I think now that you let Clowney go, uh, I could see a situation where just like, you know, those two premium positions that you let go, um, you're looking for, you, you know, you're looking for someone like Clowney, you know, for the next few years. A lot of times when you make those decisions, you let guys leave the building, uh, you're chasing your tail for a few years. So that's, that's a situation I could see, uh, happening with the Houston Texans, uh, you know, in regards to the front seven. Yeah, I think I mean, you just talked about three, you know, big mistakes at premium positions, uh, and those are the kind of moves that that make your record nine and seven um, when you let key pieces at key, at, you know, at key position go. And as you said, we don't have the draft picks; don't pick till till fifty seventh overall. I think one guy that was playing the Super Bowl, uh, Eric Armstead. I don't know if he'll hit the market, but looking at the guys that they'll have to pay, you think there's a good chance he'll do that. I think Yannick Ngokwe again might be and a sneaky outside. Uh, pick I think potentially pick up in the off season could be Shelby Shelby Harris from Denver. He is twenty nine, but it, it kind of that sort of move uh, kind of reminded me when they picked up uh, Antonio Smith late on. And he gave some really good years for the Texans, uh, as, and he's uh, or he's the Ninja Assassin as he used to call himself. Uh, you know, towards the end of his career after being at Arizona, so potentially a good kind of sort of value pick up. You know, and it might be in the the second and third wave the Texans might have to shop. Based on uh, their, their, you know, their internal needs in house to, to get guys tied up. So if that is the case, um, then that's a big concern, I think. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's going to have to be someone like that. Yeah, and then I think really on the on the on the on the opposite side of the ball, as you said, I mean, can they invest any more? In the, in, the, in the offense um, I think it's the question in free agency you know there's potential talk of Zach Fulton being a cap casualty he's got zero dead money seven million saving potentially uh, for him uh, and you know could, could you you know slot Greg Manson there at the right guard and, and keep us you know a similar level of play I don't know and then obviously I don't know what you think or if you've heard anything Andrew, um, Landry about where does this team lie with two veteran presences but I think it's important to bring back in uh, in Darren Fells and Carlos Hyde um, because consistency is an issue and t- and one of the main reasons from that in the O'Brien years has been turnover of personnel. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you could let Darren go actually, and I and I like what Darren did. He just wasn't as good of a blocker as believed. Plus, you have the other three tight ends, two third round picks and a fifth round pick, along with 
man, the veteran, I don't know if you've seen all the tight ends that are going to get cut. There's a lot of veteran tight ends out there uh, that could be looking for jobs that could be, you know, signed to that one year type of deal. And you can maybe even upgrade, you know, Darren Fells, you know, whether it's Jason Witten. Uh, I know there's talk about Delaney Walker getting released, all that type of stuff. Like, I actually think the tight end market is going to be pretty strong uh, in regards to veterans that you could bring in on one year deals. Uh, plus, I also think, Colin Gillespie, you know, when it comes to running the dual back stuff, uh, he's probably a little bit better blocker than when they put a tight end back there. So they have that as well. So I could see them letting Darren go. And, and quite honestly, I wouldn't be mad if they let Carlos go and, and try to upgrade at the running back position. Uh, I, I like I like what uh, Carlos did this year. But I mean, this is a guy who is going to be released and, and you see running backs all the time you know, on the street or, you know, even, even rookies, uh, there, there, there's some strong running backs that could be there in that second round, uh, that could come in and maybe, maybe give you a little bit more upside. So, I mean, I mean, that's CJ Anderson two years ago with the Rams comes to mind, you know, you brought him in and, you know, he kind of carried the load for, for Gurley. So th those are two guys that I could see them actually, you know, for, for relatively good price, uh, with, with, with what's usually a pretty good market. I, I could actually see them trying to upgrade, uh, you know, those two veteran free agents. Yeah, I think so. If they were to come back, it would be in the name of consistency. And I think, and, but first and foremost, they need to be at the right price. Um, and potentially that's not going to be the case. But, you know, if there is a big big supply of tight ends and potentially Fells comes back, but I, I don't know. But yeah, as you said, with the, the investment, I think there was there was great talk about Kahali Waring in the, in the off-season. Do you think he'll be ready to come back and contribute? I mean, physical specimen, water polo player, but again, an unknown, I would suggest. Well, I mean, I, you said come back. I really haven't seen him do. I I, I watched him practice a couple times. I, I don't know what the guy is. You know what I mean? Like I I I don't know. I have no idea about the guy. You know, we never saw him uh, come on the field. So that that's going to be one of the most intriguing prospects next year. I mean, you draft a you draft a tight end in the third round when it's not necessarily a need. I mean, you, you got to expect him to to at least be you know be able to to do a little something. I mean, Travis Kelsey was a third round pick. George Kittle, who you mentioned, was a fifth round pick i mean it's it's i hope he can play you know but i have no i i don't really have any idea bob didn't seem too impressed with him early on and then you know he had the concussion and they you know they stashed him on ir so you know if if he is what you know what would typically validate such a pick you know in that round in that situation given the needs that they had and that tight end wasn't one then that would be awesome that would be one of the the one a, a pleasant surprise but I, I don't know much. I don't know much about the guy. I don't know how good he is or isn't. I know he did supposedly he did some of his best work in Green Bay when they were practicing out there in Lambeau in the offseason. But I, I don't I don't know what to expect from him. But, you know, you would you would hope that he's someone that can uh, contribute next year. Yeah, I mean, all the reports from training camp was that this guy could come and contribute. And, you know, I think it was John McLean actually said he could see him being the, you know, the starting tight end it, towards the it end. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, he said so, that. We did more time about that. So, uh, so I don't know. How, I don't know how much I pinch your salt you take that. But I, it, it's, a, it's, an it's an interesting uh, need on this team. And I think the problem is with, with trying to take uh, a running back high when you've got so many needs in a roster that needs regenerated with draft picks when you're without the, the top ones can you afford to take a running back high obviously we've we've only really got Buddy Howell uh, left and, and does Duke Johnson potentially take a bigger role I don't know um, but I'm saying I think then the other you know the other two parts of the 
the the uh, the, the offense that really needs some uh, addressing and more on the depth side of it, and which is a good position to be. Is it wide receiver? Um, do they find another guy to to be a speedster? And do they you know do they extend Will Fuller this season? Is another one we didn't touch upon. Um, or uh, or do do they invest that in you know in somebody in the offensive line? Because again, Kelamenti's uh, still on the roster, four and a half million savings. So do we you know do we get rid of both him and Fulton and try and invest that money in a receiver and potentially a right guard? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I think you have to bring back Will uh, for better or worse. You got to bring him back and just cross your fingers that he can stay healthy. Yeah, definitely. He's got. To, he's one of these guys. He's, when he's on the field, he's just so electric, and I don't think you can you can let him walk. You just got to try and um, you got to try and find a way to to keep him healthy. And when it's always soft tissue injuries, it's it's potentially you know Arian Foster was notorious for them as well. And it's just if. if if some, some people just seem to have that kind of body type that can't can't turn them over. Um, but yeah, and then obviously looking at the special teams, we've got it. Obviously, Kaimi Fairburn and John Weeks. You expect them both to be back? Uh, John Weeks better be back, man. He's a friend of our show. Uh, John Weeks better be back. Uh, and Fairburn, yes, I would I would bring him back as well. I think I think you're good there. I don't think you have too much to worry about. Although. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in some sort of competition for Fairbairn. You didn't do it last year. Uh, maybe bring in some, uh, just just make him feel a little bit of pressure in training camp instead of just sitting on the side field, uh, you know, sipping water and kicking by yourself. Yeah, that's it. I think competition is good, and obviously the Texans seem to make the wrong decision in competition. You know, famously let Chris Boswell go um, to the, and he's been an All Pro and was at the Pro Bowl again this season for. For the uh, for the Steelers uh, when there was a competition with Randy Bullock and then obviously they, they did again that uh, this season when they when they stuck with Trevor Daniel uh, but then went back to Brian Anger mid season um, and in terms of in terms of per- personnel moves seems highly unlikely but Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf both well re- re- uh, respected front office guys um, change a tide in Cleveland uh, Berry comes in and moves the guys out you, you see any any any. Uh, Strain of hope that O'Brien might take some inside input into the personnel, or is he going to do it all on his own with with uh, next to next to no help? Lipford and Bazargan will be the the guys to I to see. Yes, I think he's got it himself. I don't think he's. I, I think I think the next time we see a guy like a Highsmith or someone come in here, I think it's going to be, you know, Bill O'Brien on his way out if that happens. So you know, I think I think he likes what he's got going right now. I think he's confident in it, and uh, I think that I think that that's what what we need to get used to. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Andrew. I think you're right. It is well and truly, uh, I think, boom or bust for O'Brien. He's got all his eggs in one basket and more. So um, it's going to be an interesting off season. Uh, we'll be coming back to talk to you about the draft in a couple of weeks um, after after free agents after we've reviewed free agencies. There's a lot of changes to be made. But Landry Walker from Radio Sports Six Ten, thank you very much for your time. All right, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. And that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the Turn Up For What podcast. The off-season is finally here. We'll be coming back as many times as we can to cover the news off. But thanks again for listening to us this season. We're not where we want to be. It seems a hell of a long way to get where we need to be. But we'll find out in time if O'Brien's the man or do we push the reset button once more and start again. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm your host, Ewan Desonquois. And wherever you've been listening from, wherever you've been downloading from this season... We are Texans.